It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to a special Victory Sunday edition of Locked on Dolphins live on the YouTube channel. And I don't know about you, but I need a drink, a cigarette, something. I don't even smoke. But the performance the Dolphins put on last night at Hard Rock Stadium with their only home preseason game, if this was the last time that we see the Miami Dolphins starters until September 12th or whatever that opening Sunday is against the New England Patriots, you picked a hell of a way to go out, right? Because it was offense, defense, it was both sides of the football, uh, and you really could not have asked for a better bounce back from a lot of players on both sides of the football for the Dolphins. It was great to see guys like Hunter Long and Jalen Phillips out there, even though Javon Holland didn't dress for Whatever reason it was, I think Brian Flores had mentioned he needs a little bit of rehab. He got dinged up a little bit. You got time. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is you think about what the timeline's going to look like the rest of the way here for Miami. I wouldn't I wouldn't play the starters at all next week against Cincinnati. I wouldn't play him. I, I'm letting Jacoby Brissett get the start. He's playing a half. Reed Sinnott's getting a half. And I'm doing all second and third team guys. And now you've really got yourself a nice little runway. Today is the 22nd. So you've got three weeks until the start of the regular season. I would make sure my starters get as much rest, get as much fresh legs as they can, because this was the game where a lot of guys delivered that you were expecting to see deliver, starting first and foremost with Tua Tagovailoa, who started the game 9 of 9. Nine of nine, eight of eight in the first half or first quarter. Two consecutive touchdown drives. Should have had a third. Malcolm Perry couldn't hang on on fourth and short. And yeah, it was a great play by Richie Grant. But at the same time, if you're a guy that's trying to make the roster in a really crowded wide receiver room, would have loved to have seen Malcolm Perry make that catch on fourth and short. It was real nice design. The rub with Mac Hollins on the point, sat down right underneath it at the sticks. An opportunity to be had there. But at the end of the day, the Dolphins finished this preseason game against Atlanta. And I understand Matt Ryan didn't play. Calvin Ridley didn't play. Kyle Pitts didn't play. I get it. But that only elevates your expectations on what this is supposed to look like, right? 28 to 16 advantage in first downs. 422 to 253 advantage in yards. 36 minutes and 42 seconds of time of possession versus 23 minutes and 18 seconds for Atlanta. And that was before the four, or that is including the fourth quarter in which Atlanta had three possessions in the fourth quarter. One of them was one play and an interception by Calvin Munson. The other two were 75 yard touchdown drives. So look at the first three quarters of this football game and Miami's first and second stringers. You can say all you want. Yeah, Atlanta had guys on the bench. Well, first of all, Miami had five of their top six receivers on the bench, but they also took care of business in exactly the, this, the way that you would expect them to given who was and who was not playing in this football game. 
I mentioned Tua Tonga-Valoa a little bit. Uh, he finished the night 16 to 23 for 183 yards and a score. Uh, none of the silly mistake, like the one that he had against Chicago in the red zone. Uh, I think that's critical, but Tua now through two games is 24 of 34 passing for 282 yards, a touchdown and interception. Uh, he's top five in the NFL as of this point in time before today's preseason games in quarterback pass rating in the preseason. It's over 90. He's at 8.3 yards per attempt, which is two yards per attempt greater than what last year's was. And he's not even playing with first string wide receivers. Oh my Lord, guys. I hope you're juiced, man. See a couple guys in the comments. Jacob, he's juiced. OG Highway, he's juiced. Taylor, clearly juiced. Pocket presence jumped off the screen. It wasn't just the pocket presence, right? Because I think Tua, his instincts and feel for the game was one of the biggest things that stood out about Tua going all the way back to Alabama. But when I watched him this preseason, and I was there in Chicago, and obviously I had a chance to watch the preseason game last night, it was the quickness of his feet, but also the strength within the grasp, right? Because he's not the biggest or strongest. He's not six foot five, 230 pounds, one of these guys who's going to pull away from guys consistently. But at the same time, he was pulling himself out of the grasp and, and turning and rotating. And yes, there's always going to be that concern of you're exposing yourself to extra hits in the pocket. I understand. But his release, his field vision, and his feel are going to allow him to extend plays. And we are seeing the fruits of his labor all offseason uh, in the here and now. So for me, that was the biggest thing about Tua was not that he's sliding within the pocket because we knew he could do that. It's how he's using agility and also strength to pull himself out of the grasp and continue to extend plays. Uh, question from Pat. What's up, Pat? Are we tempering our excitement for what the offensive line was able to do last night because Atlanta only started something like three defensive starters? Are we taking the win and adjusting expectations? I'm taking dubs as I get them. You know, contextually, you you can look at it and say, oh, they didn't start so-and-so, they didn't play so-and-so. But, like, at the end of the day, you still have to go out and execute, right? And, and I think what the Dolphins have done in each of the first two preseason games that really stands out to me is they've, even as first-teamers are coming off the field, they're getting those offensive linemen, those first-team offensive linemen, extra reps. Because you look up, you're into the third quarter, Two is out of the game. Waddle's out of the game. Waddle's able to come back in the game, period. Uh, Mike Kosecki's out of the game. And sure enough, who's still out there playing? Austin Jackson, 47 snaps. Robert Hunt, 47 snaps. Solomon Kinley, 47 snaps. Michael Dieter, 47 snaps. Liam Eikenberg got 46. They got those offensive linemen, and it was just like that where the those trio of Jackson, Kinley, and Hunt, those guys played the entire first half against Chicago well after everybody else was pulled out of the game. So for me, that's that's a strategy that I think that they're taking, like that they're taking. Of course, you're always running the risk of guys getting banged up and injuries and so on and so forth. But to get those offensive linemen extra reps, man, I am totally here for it. And let's raise our glasses. You know, we, we've talked a lot on this podcast slash now live stream about small, medium, and large steps forward for young guys on this roster. 
Robert Hunt kicked ass yesterday. He beat the tar out of guys inside, just moving them against their will. Him and Liam Eikenberg on a one-two punch, I thought those guys uh, on the right side played really, really well. They uprooted guys, got some movement and push in the run game. Uh, so I'm raising my glass uh, to Robert Hunt at right guard. Of course, you're going to ask yourself, what would it look like if, if different guys were in the game on defense? But this is all about fundamentals and execution, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen the video of Brian Flores talking to his team after the first day of pad of practice, and, and he talked a lot about fundamentals. At the end of the day, you can get fundamentals against first, second, and third string guys. And that level of discipline, you know, you got a really good first one half of game experience against Atlanta. Now let's take that confidence, build upon the fundamentals, and make sure we're as ready as we possibly can be for the New England Patriots to start the season. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams get back on the gridiron to start football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest. Open now at Bet Online. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 100% welcome bonus. Make sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th for the season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The backs, it's it's pretty evident in me watching through two preseason games. They're going to ask the backs to do a lot in pass pro. And whoever stands out as the best in pass pro is probably going to end up taking the majority of the snaps. I do believe this is going to be more of a committee thing. You know, the closer we get Savan Ahmed, his explosiveness, showing a little bit more life in the passing game, that's huge uh, as, as far as balance and be able to get more reps. But they brought in Malcolm Brown as a power back who was also one of the top 15 most proficient, according to Pro Football Focus, pass blockers at the running back position in football last year. He had the pass protection breakdown that resulted in the only sack of the game. It was play action shot play. Jason Taylor said on the broadcast, I haven't had a chance to watch the All-22 yet, uh, that, Mal- uh, that Jalen Waddle was running free on a deep post route down the field, and if they would have picked it up and he could have stepped up, Tua could have put that ball out there and potentially had a big chunk touchdown. Um, he did not score well in pass pro. Neither did Savan Ahmed. Uh, neither one of those guys. Uh, and I don't take pro football focus as word is law, right? But I got a great deal of respect for what they do. I think there's value in what they do. Uh, their pass blocking grades, Savan Ahmed was a 10. It's out of 100. It's out of 100. And Malcolm Brown was a 29. Meanwhile, 
Miles Gaskin, where is he at on this list? Uh, 75.9 in pass pro. I think that was why Gaskin was probably the odds-on favorite to be the majority snap taker coming into the year. And Gaskin obviously had the big bounce back game. So what are the questions you guys have? I think this is a good, oh, here we go. Layton, I believe this is Layton. If cut day was today, who would you cut to get down the six or seven wide receivers? I'm keeping seven at this point in time, personally. Um, I think you have to keep Waddle, Parker, Fuller, Albert Wilson. Definitely those four. Mac Collins has earned a spot at this point in time. There's no question in my mind. He's been terrific. From there, I'm probably keeping Jakeem Grant to take the special teams role. Uh, I, I don't think Club Dub, Alejo, that's right. I see you in the comments. Club Dub feels first Club Dub of the year. Salary cap would be the only reason I would move on from Jakeem Grant at this point in time. It's not a big concern coming into the year. I think they've moved enough. Um, and now it's Preston Williams versus Kirk Merritt versus Robert Foster versus Malcolm Perry. I would probably, I think the ceiling is probably highest from a receiving perspective with Preston Williams. Is he the guy that I would go to bat for and pound the table for? No. I would love to see them find a way to keep Kirk Merritt. Uh, I don't think it would be too hard for them to survive cuts to get him on the practice squad, and then you can protect him. But at the same time, there's a little part of me that's that's afraid because he's very clearly a very gifted athlete. Uh, he had a great play over the middle yesterday with a reception, broke some yards, uh, created some yards, and then had the touchdown from Reitz in, uh, down inside the red zone after the Calvin Munson interception. Probably Preston just for the ceiling and the fact that he's really cheap. Uh, but if Merritt got away, I'd feel bad about it. Some other observations that I had on this game. I see a lot of the questions that are that are streaming in as I see them. Uh, and I'm still getting used to the whole live interaction while still filtering through my thoughts. If you listen to the podcast, you know I go a million miles an hour. There's 10 thoughts that go in, and I'm lucky if I get two out of my mouth on any given time. Uh, some guys who helped and hurt themselves on the bubble. Sam McGuavin, Egwavon. I'm going to have to make sure I catch myself here uh, with pronunciation, but he was tremendous. Played like his job was on the line because, quite frankly, it is. Uh, the Dolphins, they brought in a ton of linebackers this offseason. Duke Riley, uh, Brennan Scarlett. They brought in Jalen Phillips, who's classified as a linebacker. Bernard McKinney. They brought back Elan and Roberts. There's a lot of competition in that room. So I think between camp and obviously this performance, when you have 11 tackles, four sacks, and a safety, you probably helped yourself out quite a bit. And I certainly think Aguavon did. So I think he was certainly a big winner. We already mentioned Kirk Merritt, who late in the game made a couple of nice plays happen. Calvin Munson. We talked about the competition at linebacker. Uh, he is way on the fringe. Uh, I think he'd have to have a, like a really high level performance next weekend and, and really sell the coaches on special teams for him to stick. But um, 
I, obviously when you have an interception and it's a nice play over the middle and you, you create a big play, it's hard not to, it's hard to miss that. Some guys who did not help themselves. The first name that jumps out to me is not a guy who necessarily did anything wrong. It's just a number scheme. And that's Patrick Laird. Uh, you look at the Dolphins' backs and the distribution of snaps that they took. Uh, Patrick Laird got three snaps yesterday. Jordan Scarlett, for as a point of reference, got six. And I know the Dolphins like Laird. He's been on the roster for two years now. Receiving skills are really high level. But if Safan Ahmed is going to start playing like this in the passing game and playing really well, and Jared Dokes is going to be a guy who can move the pile, uh, he had a, I think it was four and a half yards per carry last night on seven carries to 30 yards. Uh, ran pretty well. If you're going to start getting that level of competition and you're probably going to keep four backs, you've got Ahmed, no question. Gaskin, no question. Malcolm Brown, no question. You got one spot. And now you're seeing a reduced value as a pass catcher because the other guys are, are really effective in the passing game. Gaskin's a home run there. And Ahmed is really showing some life and growth in that area. And if he can turn around his pass protection skills, then he might be the lead back when it's all said and done. So I think Laird, it was just a matter of opportunity, not really having too much to show and, and other guys that are showing they can fill and, and kind of fill the gaps with what he does well. I think that would be one that I would probably be a little worried about, especially when you consider there's going to be other opportunities to keep guys on the roster who can uh, be versatile wide receiver slash running back types. Obviously, Lim Bowden with his hamstring is now somebody we're going to have to watch and see what his availability looks like in his recovery. But again, if you're somebody who's banged up, I'm not playing you next week. If you're somebody who's a starter, I'm not playing you next week. Maybe they run the offensive line and out there and, and kind of continue that trend and get buy some, a couple extra reps. But um, I'd, I'd feel really good about going out with a bang with this being the final showing and using that as a confidence builder. Another guy who I thought kind of got compromised was Malcolm Perry. We talked at the top of the show or the stream about the fourth down conversion attempt or, or target and how he couldn't quite finish that tough catch in traffic. And that was a good play by Richie Grant. But at the same time, those are the kind of plays that move the needle, unfortunately. He did have one nice reception on the bubble, uh, turned it upfield, almost got 30 yards out of it. Uh, came off the field a little shook up after that play, primarily kick return duties in that game. So even amidst the injuries at wide receiver, I do think Perry is kind of in a hole here. Uh, I don't think he's as physically gifted or as much upside as a guy like Merritt. Uh, I don't think he has the same special teams value as a guy like Jakeem Grant. He's not as experienced as Jakeem Grant. He's not as fast as Jakeem Grant. So uh, I think this was kind of, a tough pill to swallow for, for Perry, and he'll probably be a practice squad candidate and a really good one. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You know what else it tastes like? Victory Sunday. These things are delicious. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on all their bars. And right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and save 15% off your next order. So whether you're looking for something as a meal replacement, post-workout, grab-and-go, Midnight snack, 
game day meal, you name it, Built Bar can be it. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price of the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit RockAuto.com for all your auto parts needs and write Locked On under How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. The other group that uh, I do want to throw a little bit of a question mark onto is uh, the third team defensive line for Miami. As I said earlier in the stream, they had three possessions in the fourth quarter and two of them went 75 yards for touchdowns. Atlanta had about 200 yards rushing the ball. Caleb Huntley and Javian Hawkins combined for 103 yards on 11 carries. And only 27 of those yards came in the first half. So, a lot of chunk gains on the ground. And obviously, the game's well in hand, and, and they're expecting to pass the ball and so forth. So, I get contextually there's some stuff there. But I do think Miami's depth players up front late in the game got moved off the ball a little too much for my comfort. So that's guys like Benito Jones who played a little bit. Uh, Jason Strobridge got into the game at that point in time. Let me make sure I get the, the snaps right here. Uh, Benito played 10 snaps. Strobridge played 16 snaps. Um, Ledbetter, Ledbetter played 19 snaps. So those kinds of guys like would have liked to see a little bit more stiffness. Uh, as far as your play at the point of attack. So uh, I did think that was another set of roster could have afforded to help themselves a little bit more with their play. The other big picture observation that I had that I really enjoyed about this game for the Dolphins was a lot of the situational football stuff. You had the goal line stand uh, in which Eric Rowe makes the big play on fourth down. And how they, in short yardage situation, really dictated the line of scrimmage and won the point of attack uh, to kind of set up that fourth down PBU. Uh, I liked the end of first half handling by Brian Flores, using the timeouts to make sure they got the ball back. And sure enough, they were in position to score. Jason Sanders missed a 50-plus yard field goal, but like they forced the punt with like 31 seconds left in the half. They took over. They need, I said they took possession. I said, all right, you need about 20 yards. I think they got 22 and then kicked, and it just happened to be a kick that went wide. But, like, that execution in a two-minute situation, that's really good. That's really good experience for this offense, especially with some of these guys that have not been around the league a whole bunch, a lot of young receivers who haven't been in that position. Uh, and, and Tua had a really good throw on that target. I believe he drilled Matt Collins over the middle and, and threw it low and inside. So Hollins had to go down and dig it out, which simultaneously put him in position to just catch the ball, surrender himself as a receiver, immediately get up, give the official the ball, and get everybody set up to spike the ball. Um, that was a, a good game situation. The fourth down, like I mentioned, inside the, the 20 was another good game situation. Even the fourth down that didn't work out with Malcolm Perry. Uh, going for it in that situation and 
executing like Mac Collins did. I thought he did a great job creating space for Malcolm Perry. Like it's all money, man. Like, like those are really valuable reps for Miami. And that's what the preseason's for aside of evaluating who are the guys who are going to make the 53 man roster. So I was really pleased with last night. I, I don't think I would have obviously would have preferred to not have the heart attack that Jalen Waddle gave us, but that was another cool observation of the game was seeing, Miami kind of got into crafting some targets and some touches for Jalen with the RPO. They broke the RPO out after I don't think they did any of that with two in the game uh, in week one against Chicago. Uh, they got Waddle very first play. Boom. They hit the bubble. Waddle gets up the sideline. Later, they come back. They run the jet motion with the touch pass. And you could see what that did to the defenders in the box where their eyes, by the time they fixated on where the football is, Waddle had the corner and he turned up field. Uh, I would really like to see the play-action shot play to see how Waddle's route looked that developed down the field that Jason Taylor said was available to them. Uh, so that's one of my objectives for over the next 24 hours or so is trying to get my hands on the, the all-22 tape and, and kind of see what happened on that play, specifically aside of the pass protection breakdown. Uh, but Waddle looked great. Thankfully, it looked like his foot did, was not planted. You saw it from the sideline angle uh, when he got rolled up on and leg-whipped. You saw his foot slide, uh, and it, so therefore he didn't have his leg planted and, and get caught underneath that body that would have potentially done a lot of damage. Dude is tough as nails. The dude is tough as nails, just like Hunter Long. Hunter Long was carted off practice like two weeks ago today, and he's out there playing in the preseason and looked pretty darn good, uh, just kind of off the surface level. They did a lot of insert blocks with him in the run game. Uh, I thought he was pretty effective in, in that situation. Uh, he was given by pro football focus. He played 20 snaps. 16 of those were run blocking reps, a 77.4 grade in pass uh, in, in run blocking. And again, pro football focus, not the be all end all. Uh, but at this point in time, I was just going off watching it live and taking notes and then having the opportunity to circle back and cross reference with what they came back with until I get a chance to look at it myself. So, man, there's not a lot to be mad about. Uh, the offensive line, uh, I know there's still some question about Austin Jackson. We'll see. Uh, you got three weeks. I think it was a nice bounce back. Was it a, a dominant, no questions coming out of it performance? No. Uh, I thought Liam Eikenberg did what he needed to do to keep his name in the conversation for a starting job uh, with Jesse Davis competition. It looks like Solomon Kinley with two starts at left guard now. He's working his way out of the doghouse. I thought he played pretty good. Uh, was he a stud like Robert Hunt? No. Are we expecting him to be a stud like Robert Hunt? No. But as far as my personal philosophies along the offensive line, you just can't have two bad guys playing next to each other, right? You can have an okay guy, an okay guy, a good presence, a great player, and another good player. You can have great, okay, okay, below average, average, but you can't have bad, bad next to each other. Uh, at any spot, any two spots, because you you can't manipulate your protections, uh, whether you're going to go six-man protection, seven-man protection, you're going to go four-man slide, whatever, however you want to try to attack that. But if you got two bad guys next to each other, they can't bail each other out and help each other. So that was, um, it's going to continue to be a work in progress. I'm ex encouraged by how Liam Eikenberg played yesterday and him playing next to Robert Hunt was as advertised uh, for, really getting some movement. 
let's see. Any further questions here before we sign this thing off? Uh, Jacob wants to know if Austin Jackson doesn't pan out at tackle, do you think he could transition to guard? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think you can really put him on the Eric Flowers plan. Uh, obviously, Flowers now back in Washington. He's revived his career playing inside. Because what, what I see Austin Jackson struggle with is a lot of technical stuff and anchor and pad level and punch timing and all that kind of stuff. And you move that inside, typically the guys who have success when you move them in are guys that just have heavy feet that really can't react to a guy who's rushing off their outside hip because you can't hit that landmark. Austin hits that landmark, but it's he doesn't win the rep when it comes time for first contact with punch placement and timing and center gravity and all that kind of stuff. So you move that inside, like you're just creating a shorter distance for a guy to go to get to the quarterback. So I'm not a huge proponent of the idea of Austin Jackson kicking inside. Pat. Pat is on one on the stream. How happy did it make you feel when Tua pulled the trigger to the seam route? a ball he held on to last year. I think that is a great point by Pat. And that was something that I noticed. Uh, Nate Tice, uh, who's Mike Tice's son, he does phenomenal work on social media. He's the Athletic, uh, their foot, one of their football podcasts. I love Nate's stuff. And he came out and took the seam bender, was his uh, terminology to describe it, versus Tampa 2. Uh, and that was the 30-yard gain that Tua hit Mike Gusecki for in the game last night. And that was the exact same game situation, Tampa 2 coverage and a seam route by Gusecki that Tua did not throw last year in Week 16 against the Raiders. And it was it kind of led up to eventually the culmination being they bring Fitz in in the fourth quarter. And one of the first plays they called was that seam route and sure enough, they got Tampa two and Raquan McMillan's trying to carry that thing upfield. And Fitz just let it rip, put it right over top of McMillan's helmet. Gasecki makes a great catch and it's like a 40 yard gain. So to see Tua not have the confidence or not have the field vision or whatever it was to not throw that ball last year and then let it rip to or yesterday, that's a parallel situation showing very clear growth when you're translating a certain route concept against the same kind of coverage. That's phenomenal. That's exactly what you want to see in growth from a young quarterback. And I'll tell you what I want to see from each and every one of you. I want to see you back on the Locked On Dolphins podcast stream. This is a bonus episode. This is going to go up on the podcast feed. It's going to be Sunday's episode. You're still getting another episode on Monday. And then we have Power to the Pot on Tuesday. So plan accordingly. Come back, see us again. I'm going to do at least one or two live streams a week. So you have at least one more coming in the next seven days. So hit subscribe, like the YouTube channel. Make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast feed. Leave your questions locked on fins with a PH. Cheers to Victory Sunday, our first of the year. Thanks for everybody who tuned in. It was great talking Dolphins football with you guys. Look forward to talking to you again tomorrow on Locked on Dolphins. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins and Fins Up. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.